Welcome to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides. And with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing good, Jody. I'm doing good. How have the holidays been treating you? Mellow. Good. Got some fun toys, but mellow. Good. Yeah, me too. I have done fuck all music-wise, which is exactly what I set out to do, so... There you go. Got myself a bit of a break. Essentially where I'm at too. I've got fuck all for the next two weeks and it's like, yay. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Have you done any sort of planning for the new year? See see what I did there? I see what you did there. That is the juxtaposition of what this episode is supposed to be about. The answer to your question is not yet. I have two and a half days left to go where... I can get that set. And I know that one of the important factors is I got to start working out again using the P90X stuff that I have right? with the X3 workouts and stuff that I do, mainly because of all the different things I had going on this year with the injuries and such. I kind of cut back on the whole workout thing and I'm now feeling it. So that's one important (laughs) aspect that I'm going into. The other important aspect, obviously, is what we're going to talk about with setting up goals for next year. But the question is, have you done that? I have sketched out ideas what I, I'm going to put down. Yeah. So you're so, already way ahead of me. A little bit, I guess. Yeah, the important thing to point out here is that we're talking about setting goals. We're not really doing the, yeah, I'm going to get healthier. I'm going to eat better. And then everybody drops that on January 5th, right? That's not the kind of goals that we're talking about, but more concrete things when it comes to your music or your mixing or your music career. Damn it. (laughs) Exactly. First question I'd like to ask you, do you think, I mean, do you normally set goals and do you think it's a good idea to set goals? The answer to the question is no, I do not normally do it. Why? Essentially. I feel like an outcast when I do. Mm, I've done it in the past. It's fun to look at. I even have actually a daily reminder on my phone that pops up, check your goals list. (laughs) So (laughs) I do that. I do tend to attempt to do it. Do I always pay attention to them? Probably not with the way I've set it up. So I do have to change that factor. It's something that you have to be careful with because to draw a parallel to what people do when when it comes to like their health, Mm -hmm. it's like this time of year, everybody's overeating during the holiday. And then they say, I'm going to start working out. And then they set these lofty goals. (laughs) You did. (laughs) But I'm also very good at doing it for the most part. Yeah, I know you are. And I know you have in the past and I know injuries and stuff have taken its toll and why you haven't. Mm -hmm. But I do think that setting goals can be a way to keep us focused on career goals and things and music goals. If we can articulate what it is that we want and we have that sort of written down, we can strive for it. We can go and keep our eye on the prize as it were. Yes. When it comes to that, we feel like slacking off and we get distracted with wrong projects or whatever. And let me modify my answer based on what you just said. Sure. I have a goal sheet and it is set in terms of years. I have a one-year goal sheet and a five-year goal sheet that Mm -hmm. I have. And it changes from time to time when something comes up being done or something new gets added to the list. And I wouldn't call it a bucket list, but it's sort of like that. 
So yeah. it's not so exactly he, the same thing as a goals list. But part of the problem with some of my goals is they're related to waiting on others to get their shit done. And that's hard. <laughs> so it makes it harder for me to complete some of the goals that I have when I have to wait for someone else. I know Are you exactly like what you're talking about, but I'm not going to mention anything I'm else. I'm not mentioning that. names. <laughs> no, I'm – yeah. Yes. Yeah, so obviously, some things are dependent on others. For me, from my perspective, it is really good when you set your goals to be able to sort of articulate what it is that we really want to do. Yes. And to really think about that. It's one of those things that we can have these really sort of fuzzy goals where it's like, yeah, I want to – Work is in that more like industry. manifesting? <laughs> I don't necessarily buy into that sort of mindset like you're manifesting, but I think it's a good exercise to do for ourselves where we think, and it makes us really evaluate, what is it that I really want? What mm-hmm. do I want to do? Goals can help with that. You can ask yourself, well, what kind of goals should you set? You mentioned some <laughs> of the goals that you have to, or you have set for yourself. Well, I haven't said anything specific other than the health thing at the top before we talked about the music thing. And for me, when I talk about music things, I learned my lesson early on. And it's not uncommon for people to talk shit about what they are doing before that project is done. You don't say. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And what ends up happening is that falls through. And now you've talked a lot of shit about something that isn't tangible. Yeah. And that to me is problematic. And I think that's why I've been fairly successful is I try to keep a tight lip about projects or things that are going until they're actually done. Then once they're done, I have a whole lot of shit to talk about, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I think that's kind of what you alluded to before, where some things are just simply dependent on other people Mm -hmm. and other factors. And it could be other, it could be a band or it could be clients or it could be whatever, right? But there are moving parts there. When we set goals, I think it's important to have these tangible things. Depending on where you are in your career, it could be like, I want to write X amount of songs this year. Or it could be like, I want to write a song every week or whatever you think you can do, right? I know people that have tried that. Yeah, so haven't you done that in the past? I have never tried to do write a song a week type thing. I think that mm-hmm. is way too much in terms of trying to create a creative output. Now, I know some people can do that. To me, most of what you're going to create is going to end up being garbage because you're going through the motions of like, oh, well, if I play this chord progression and I write these words and I kind of, it almost seems like it's going to be like AI stuff. It just kind of puts it out there. And to me, it takes a little more effort to write a song than that. But that's just me. And that's also coming from a guy who's written a ton of fucking music too. But I haven't specified a goal of like, I need to do this every single week or I need to do X amount this week. I don't need that goal behind me to light the fire under my butt, I guess is a good way of saying it. I see what you're getting out there, and I agree with you when you can just put these sort of arbitrary things, right? Now, I would argue that point, though, by saying that without that fire that you're going to have to say to yourself, I am going to do this, you might never finish a song. And at the same time, I think the level that you're talking about as far as like the songwriting, it doesn't mean that it's finished and it's not completely developed and recorded. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you can have that goal and then you – 
perhaps at the end of the year, you go through those songs that you've written and say, okay, well, 25 or 30 of these were garbage, but now let's work on the other 20. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. to, to kind of fine tune that, but to have a certain goal and well, for a lot of people, I think writing a song and completing it one every week, it's probably hard. It would be. But yeah, but it can also be a motivational thing for some, if you're of the habit to have a hard drive full of uncompleted ideas, mm-hmm. right? That you say, oh, I've got to complete more stuff. Now, these are just examples, right? But it can be the same thing, of course, like I'm going to mix a song a week or whatever, X amount of songs. See, mixing right? a song a week seems a lot more probable to me than yeah. writing a song a week. And the reason why I say that is some songwriting to me requires moments or bouts of procrastination and or boredom which is very difficult in this day and age with all the technology that we have to keep ourselves satiated with constant barrage of stimulation. A lot of really great creativity comes out of pure boredom or not doing anything for a while so that you can think things through. This is scientifically proven. Not that I follow this, but you read the results of these studies that people do, and I don't disagree with it. I think, I'm not sure if it's necessarily boredom. I would, I agree with you though. Another way of looking at it is perhaps to not allow ourselves to be distracted by everything that we do, right? We're jumping from task to task and it's like, oh, you're sitting there and you're working on a song or, oh, I better check my emails or, or, you know, I wonder what Johnny856 is saying on Twitter right now, right? So we, we but just, what about 857? He's got something to say too. Right. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what this is called in my mind. My uncle-in-law wrote a book called Fake Work. And I think that is a massive problem for most Americans. They keep themselves busy thinking they're being overly productive. Yeah. If you haven't read this book by Galen Nelson, it's called Fake Work. It really puts things into perspective on why it's a bad idea to constantly keep yourself busy. And it's not about procrastination or the boredom factor that I just mentioned. It's how to approach thinking what actual work is. And it is not what most people think it is. I agree. I'm actually reading another book right now. It's called Essentialism. And it's pretty much the same thing. It's by a guy called Greg McCown. And it's really interesting. It is. It's just sort of like focusing your attention on what really is important. Mm -hmm. And I think people feel that they are super productive by doing a million different things, right? But in reality, you're probably getting very little done, actual work done, because you're doing so many things. We're getting away from the setting goals here. So, (laughs) but let's say that even if it's not, maybe you're... I don't mean to say like just an audio engineer, but if you're not a a musician as well, you're not a creator, maybe a goal would be to, I'm really going to learn this new piece of gear. I'm going to finally understand what granular synthesis is. Or You know <laughs> what? That's ha- actually a goal I would like to have for this year. Just putting it out there. there just you go. synthesis in general to do what Venus Theory gave us a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You take a preset. You take the default and you learn what the changes are and what they did to make that synthesis happen. That is something I plan on doing. 
Good for you. Yeah. There are all these different goals that we can obviously say it. As I said at the top there, it's like setting too lofty a goal, again, to do all the workout thing, right? It only leads to disappointment. And you set these unrealistic goals. So let's say that in the music field, it's like, yeah, I'm going to have uh, 10 top 10 singles this year on Billboard. <laughs> hey, well, that's a lofty it, goal. That's a 10-year goal or even a five-year goal. Well, it's it's one of those things that depending on your level, it's probably unrealistic. I mean, if it happens for you, that's fucking awesome. Great. Sure. Then tell us your secret, right? I think those things generally lead to disappointment and are not necessarily good things to do. So, so to think about clearly about what we really want to do and what's important to us, I think it is important when we do this kind of stuff. So what's a good way to keep this stuff going in your head then? I would get it out of your head and get it down on paper or paper? A, a document or something, but writing it down and putting it concretely on something. Just like you said, you have the, those reminders, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can remind yourself throughout the years, like this Jesus. is this is what I want to do. And I would even propose timelines where you say, okay, well, let's say that you're you're working with a band and it would be, okay, my goal this year is to have an album done and mixed by whatever date is realistic. Do you remember what I said about this time last year? I do, I think. Was that the <laughs> Christmas albums? It is. Right? I and made a goal for myself, and I figured that I would do this in a matter of about a month and a half. Okay. <laughs> it took me about three, three and a half months <laughs> to read. It's a it. lot of material to sift through. Yeah, 30 you songs. Know? It was pretty cool. Yeah, pretty, pretty heavy duty. You know, so when you write down these things, you kind of make it more concrete. And you can play mind games with yourself and sort of like write up a contract with yourself, right? This yes. is what you want to do. And I'm, I'm going to go a step further than just saying paper, which I think is a great way. And you could even get a whiteboard or something and write it up mm -hmm. on a wall or something. I also use an iPad Pro with an Apple Pencil, which is a pretty handy unit to have. And what I like to do with that is using a note-taking app. The one in particular that I use for myself is NoteShelf. It's neither here nor there if you use that or not. But it is really good with the handwriting thing. And to me, handwriting is better than typing. I yeah, like there's to something use that. psychological with that, isn't it? I you think know? so. Yeah. In using that, I've been using that app and the iPad in doing all kinds of note taking for all kinds of things. When it comes to mixing, and I'm making notes about mixes, and I think I've even sent you, yeah, like, you have file yeah. formats from these scribblings of my brain of like these are my notes. Take it out. I recommend it just like Chris is recommending. You put it down on paper or something. But to me, the art of handwriting it whether it's digitally speaking or on paper or on a whiteboard or something is more effective in my mind. Yeah. And it's like and making, as you might say, it's like making an actual contract with yourself, do this or get it done or whatever. Yeah. I think it's just good things to keep us focused and motivated. And again, to circle back to the top there, to keep your eye on the prize, what, you wanted to do at the beginning of the year, trying not to get too distracted with other things that are not helping you reach that when it comes to different projects or whatever. Sometimes you do what you have to do to get the bills paid, right? Again, so I'm going to ask you goals. a question. Yeah. Is there a piece of gear that you plan on learning about this year? Not on top of my head, but I have 
delved into more of the synthesis thing and I have been dealing with, in alchemy actually, alchemy and logic is really good for this, or I think it's good for it anyway. It is to diving into granular synthesis. Okay, that's why you brought that up. Second question, are you gonna learn a new technique in terms of something musical this year? Oh, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, you know, that's only half joking. I'm sure that there's going to be stuff that's going to come up. We all strive to get better all the time. Sure. Yeah. So absolutely. There's stuff that I want to get. I want to get better at everything. Wow. Fantastic. What about you? What about Same question. Which one? You mentioned. I mentioned Well, you mentioned synthesis. (laughs) So what about the second one? Is there a technique that you want to get better at this year? I think the new technique that I would like to learn or get better at is actually piano playing. Mm, That's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah, Like that instrument. I can play it, but I'm not amazing at it. At least not like I can play guitar. And I would like to be at least half as adept on the piano as I am on the guitar. Yeah. No, I hear you. About a quarter of the the depth that I have right now. (laughs) Yeah. I've studied keyboard and stuff. If I was half as good on keyboard as I am on guitar, I would be, I'd be very happy. And with that, we'll take a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Now, Chris and I are going to ask each other some questions about what we've done over the past year and what we've learned and that kind of thing. So I'm going to kick it off. Chris, what's yeah. the biggest change in your workflow over the past year? It's that I have started really seriously going in and doing a lot of my mixing with console emulations Mm -hmm. and sort of adapting that. It's something that I've been intrigued with for a long time, but this year I actually started implementing it. And I like it. So far, I I really like it. Or I should elaborate a little bit on that when I'm saying like console emulations where I'm actually doing most of my EQing and a fair bit of my compression with using a console emulation plugin on each track as opposed to having several different plugins on each track. So I I think that's probably, I could have gone with a couple of other ones, but I think that's that's my big one. What about you? What same question to you? I'm along the same lines. I'm going to go with the use of console emulations. And I can't recall if that started 18 months ago, but I know it kicked in big at the beginning of this year with undertaking the remixing and adding to 30 Christmas songs. That was a big project. Part of what went along with that was not only using console emulations, but different console emulations per group of 10 songs because each group came from a specific concept of Christmas past. So I chose a a much older console for that one, Christmas present, where I chose a more recent console emulation, and then Christmas future, where I chose a much more modern console emulation for those 10 songs. Yeah. And getting to use those. Right. Have you found that that has sped up your workflow or just changed it or or what positive effects has it had for you? I wouldn't say so much sped. Well, maybe it has sped it up a little bit because I know that all the emulations that I've chosen, they come with EQ and compression right in there. So I don't have compression turned on automatically. 
based on each one of these consoles, and I do have a lot of them at this point. I think I have about 10. That's a lot. <laughs> Knowing how those are already kind of preset, that speeds it up a little bit in a sense. Yeah. But I don't do ridiculous presets in the templates where I already have kick drum and snares and everything else and guitars already preset. No. The EQs and everything are set to default. Yeah, me too. But I have the console already set up across the board on all the channel strips. And then beyond that, when there's something specific, like if I really want an air band to happen, I'll probably dig in and throw in the Mog EQ because it has a great air band to it. Or if there's a specific type of compression that the console emulation does not have that I might need, then I'll pull something else in like the 1176 or my new favorite that's going to be happening this year is the 175B. Those types of things. I think. Sure. No, but it becomes a complementary thing with also different colors. To yes. With. Right. Speaking of gear... Second question here. What's the biggest lesson learned? It's not the gear. gear. It's not the plugins. It's the ears and the person doing the manipulation. If you so can't, the guy who has 10 different, 10, 10 different <laughs> Exactly. Well, the idea behind it is, is obviously when you get really into the esotericness of things, there are minute differences. But sure. the difference between, say, the SSL 9000 and the Focusrite or even the API, is not so ridiculously drastic that I can't do a good mix on every one of those. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it's no, not I, like I, I the mix agree. is going to be made or broken based on the fact that I use the SSL over the API or the Focusrite over the Helios type thing. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with that one. When you start out doing this type of stuff... You're eager to collect as much gear and stuff as you can. And you think, if I just have this and this and that, that compressor, that EQ, this reverb or whatever, it's mm -hmm. going to make everything better. Certain things, yes, will possibly sound better, but you don't need to have every flavor. So absolutely, it's the ear and not the gear. All right. Same question to you. Biggest lesson you've learned. Sort of like development or, or a variation of that. I am a really, really big believer in the power of sort of like minimalism at this point. Mm -hmm. I have scaled down and I'm currently in, in the uh, process of purging my plugin folder <laughs> as we get into the next <laughs> year. I have started using a lot more of the same stuff that I know well mm. and use that in every – I know how to use this. I don't have to – have every different flavor. So I'm using less gear and getting better results. I well find. done you with Venus Theory's five things he uses over and over. <laughs> well, he does that too, right? Yeah, yeah but, but it's it's uh, same mindset. It's like I, I find myself, I use this and this and that. And so, well, what if I go with this manufacturer and their version of the 1176? I, I don't care. It's like mm -hmm. boring. You know, use what you have and move. Speed is important when we mix. I think. All right. Speaking so, of the fact that you're paring down, what yeah. is your favorite new piece of gear this year? I have to say the um, SLO 100 from Neural DSP. Oh, yeah? The, the AmpSim. Yeah. I love that thing. I have a real soft spot in my heart and ears for the LA guitar session tones of 
the late 80s type of thing. And not only does it do that stuff really, really well, but I also have a Soldano. <laughs> so so I, I love that thing, and it's found itself into just about every song I've done since I got it. So that has to be my pick. Mm-hmm. And what about you? I have a feeling I know what you're going to choose, but <laughs> what, do you, what do you got? I've already mentioned it actually today in this episode. It's the Universal Audio 175B Compressor. That's what I thought. That thing's like just a piece of magic right there in terms of compression. I expect that that is my new favorite piece of gear just because I've mentioned it so many times already. And there you have it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I could have picked a couple of other ones, but I was like, no, this one's the obvious one. So there you go. The reason why we're doing all of this is because of music, right? Mm -hmm. So what's your favorite music pick for 2022? It's a song that's come out by Isabel La Rosa. It is called I'm Yours, and that's a pretty interesting piece of music that becomes a song because it changes tempo in a very unique way in the song, to me anyway, and it's not something that you hear common, not often right now in music. And I know Mm -hmm. that I've programmed click tracks to move, but the way they've done this song is pretty amazing. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. What about you? What's your suggested listening for this year? There's an album that came out relatively early in the year, I believe. And I've spoken about it. It was my Friday find when it came out. And I haven't stopped listening to it yet. A Swedish band called MCC, Magna Carta Cartel. Mm-hmm. They sort of revised their band and revived their band, if you will. And their album's called The Dying Option. And it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It sounds amazing. Awesome songs if you like that kind of moody type of stuff. This is not metal by any stretch of the imagination because I, you say I'm the metal guy all the time. This is not metal. This is just <laughs> great sort of like songwriting, very atmospheric. I love that album. Awesome. So what do you feel after listening to this for a year is going to be the trend going forward? I have a feeling that I'm probably going to be really wrong about this. <laughs> but I think that plug-in manufacturers, gear manufacturers might focus less on vintage creation of like old, or recreation, I should say, of old vintage gear mm-hmm. and possibly steer into a little bit more of uh, creativity. And I think that, you know, some machine learning and stuff is going to start popping up more and more. Because I hesitate to say AI because it's not really AI. But uh, right. I think there would be more problem-solving things than another LA2A plug-in type of thing. Sure. What are your thoughts on the topic? Overall, I believe that music is going to become more inventive. I think we've reached the point of boiling over on oversaturated markets of sameness. And we're going to start seeing a lot more inventiveness. And part of that, I believe, is going to be driven by the fact that you can now mix binaurally, so to speak, in 3D audio. And that's Mm. going to, I hope, lead to some cool music-making stuff. Let's hope so. That would be very, very cool. I agree. All right. With that, we're going to move on to our Friday Finds. Chris, what have you got this week? Well, as I already mentioned, I haven't done any music stuff for this past week, which has been nice. 
I got to pick something. And my find here would be something that my daughter got for me. She got me the handwritten scores for The Escape from New York movie with Woo! John Carpenter and Alan Haworth. Snake Plissken. Exactly. I love that score. It's simple, but it's so evocative and it's so classic to me. She got me that and I love having that. It's really, really cool. So Sweet. that's my Friday find. Alan Haworth, he sells them through his website and he's the co-creator with, with John Carpenter for that. If you're interested, go check him out. They're really, really cool. Make what sure about you, you get a word in for Snake. tell them snake sent you that's right what do you got i'm looking at another recreation (laughs) of course you are (laughs) this is in regards to a guitar amp plugin a company called black rooster audio has created something called the ga-gt2 okay yes it's a kind of a cryptic name what they're going after is Sansamp and the Sansamp mm. guitar preamp pedals. This thing is a recreation of that. So for those that want the classic Sansamp type sound and a few variations thereof, you want the Black Rooster Audio GA-GT2. And that is my Friday find for this week. Fantastic. Yes. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. Doing so will get you weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the word GOALS. And you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page, and we'll make sure we put it into consideration for a future episode. And with that, I'll say, see you next week. Talk to you later, Jody. Happy New Year, everybody, and thank you so much for listening. Have a good one.